Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. Oh, praise God. It's awesome to have you here. And uh, if we don't get to see you on Christmas Eve, let me just remind you of a couple of things. We have Christmas Eve services tomorrow night, 3 and 5, and uh, just looking for a wonderful time, kind of a, well... I don't know exactly how to even describe it necessarily, but it is a time that we just come, we do communion, it's a time of reflection and uh, celebration at the birth of our Savior Jesus, and uh, if we don't see you Christmas Eve, uh, next week we'll be having church like we always do, and so we want to make sure, wish you all uh, have a, a, a great Christmas celebration with family, friends, whatever you do, and don't eat too much, um, but make sure you have at least a couple of dozen Christmas cookies, all right? Praise God. I've already, I've done that. We are, we are doing a series, we're actually finishing it up this morning that we're calling uh, The Joy Robber, and um, kind of the heart of the, the series really is there are things that can happen in life that steal our joy, and, um, and, and, and so we're talking about some of those things, but there's a little bit of a twist to it because I think that many times it's easy for us to identify other people as the problem, other circumstances the problem. If I had some more money, I'd have more joy. If, if, if it wasn't for my ex, if it wasn't for my in-laws, my outlaws, if it wasn't for my job, I'd have more joy. But what we're really finding out is something that Jesus said uh, in John chapter 16 and verse 22. And Jesus said this, uh, therefore you now have sorrow. He was referring to the, his death on Calvary's cross. He was referring to something he had been telling the disciples that he was going to be leaving. And he said, right now you've got sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart, something on the inside, your heart is going to rejoice. And your joy, no one, everybody say no one. No one will take from you. There is a joy that is available to us and actually is in us. If you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, been born again, as, John, or as Paul said in the, in, in, uh, to the church at Corinth, he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become brand new. God puts his life on the inside of us. And by the Spirit of God, there is a life resident in us and part of the fruit, what we call the fruit of the Spirit that Paul wrote about in the book of Galatians. He said the fruit of the Spirit is love. Whether you feel it or not, whether you recognize it or not, whether you know it or not, love's on the inside of you. And you can choose to operate in love or you can choose to not operate in love. And he also said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, but it is also joy. Something on the inside of us that was deposited in the new birth can cause joy to rise in our hearts and in our lives. And so Jesus said, there's a joy <clears throat> that I want you to know about that no one can take from you. And so while it's easy for us many times to look at the circumstances, look at the people, look at the things around us and say, that's the reason that I don't have joy. If we truly, and I think correctly, look at what Jesus said, there's something that we have available to us that nobody can take from us. And so while he says nobody can take it, that doesn't mean that you and I can't forfeit that joy. That we can't give it in, that we or give it up, that we won't surrender it at times and seasons in our life. And sometimes, because we don't correctly identify what's happening internally, we tend to blame other people for our lack of joy. Now, I, I want to talk about that a little bit more this morning, and, and, but before I go there, I want to remind you of something because I don't want you to misunderstand 
what I think might be simple, but I think it's easy to miss as well. What I'm implying, I'm not implying to you this morning or in this series that you will always be, you know, joyful and happy and that everything that goes on in your life, you should be laughing about it. And, and I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there won't be seasons and times in your life that there's not joy, or, or I'm sorry, that there's not sorrow, that there's not confusion, that there's not fear. Those opportunities to experience those things are a part of life because sometimes life is not easy. Amen. Sometimes life is hard. And so I'm not implying that everything that goes on is going to cause joy. There are, there are, and, and I'm certainly not saying that God is the one doing all these things. Because I, I think that sometimes people have a tendency to, to just like, God, where are you? God, sometimes, you know what? Sometimes you and I have made some bad decisions in life. I think, well, you know, the devil's attacking my finances. Well, you know what? The devil doesn't have your credit card. Can't say amen, say oh me. Sometimes we've made some bad decisions in life and we are experiencing the consequence of the decision that we've made. And so sometimes what's going on around us is because of stuff we've done. The Bible is pretty clear. You and I have an adversary, the enemy, the devil. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking and we may devour. Every single day, your faith is going to be challenged and it's going to be tested. Sometimes it's because of other people, sometimes it's because of stuff you've done. And then uh, right along with that, the Bible tells us that my people, God says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Destruction sometimes, whether it's relationally, financially, uh, in our peace, if you will, destruction happens sometimes simply because we don't know that destruction doesn't have to come. That in the midst of the difficult moments, in the midst of, of those trying times, there is a peace and a joy and a life and a power that's available to us. And we kind of brought this to a close last week, and I think this is such an important key when we talk about a joy that no one can take from you, is we have to experience and, and depend on and know about the presence of God. In Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11, it says this, it says, you will show me the path of life. And here's, here's what I see, and this is what I think is so powerful. Because sometimes life is confusing. Sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes life just is weird. Anyone? And you can be a, a solid believer and still have weird stuff that you just don't know how to process in place. And, and, and I think the psalmist, in a moment of, of, of that experience, that he's saying is, God, you'll show me the path of life. We tend to view our life as we're living it right now. And it's really, really difficult when, when, don't you love that when I pull out a chair to try to sit down and I just can't sit down. I just got, I try so hard, but I get excited <clears throat> and I see something. So I got to explain what I'm seeing and I can't explain what I'm seeing if I don't use my hands. <laughs> I'm a visual communicator and I'm not even Italian, <laughs> at least that I know of. Try this again. Where was I, Pastor John? <laughs> oh, Pastor John's just reading. The path of life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The path of life. He'll show me the path of life. And that we have a tendency often to view life where we are right now. We tend to view God through the lens of the experience of our life right now. And I think the psalmist is saying, God, you're going to show me the path of life. 
Help me to see the past. Help me to see how the past and the present are working together, but also help me to see the future. What is it, God, that you want me to, 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 to understand and to know in this season, to prepare for right now? Show me the path of life. There might be reasons that these things are happening right now, and God, am I missing something? And in the New Testament vernacular, the, uh, you know, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. And there are some times that we can interpret what's happening right now, or we can't interpret what's happening right now, but with the presence of God, the help of God, he can begin to show us and bring calmness and peace into our life in that moment. And rather than look at God through the lens of our life, we should look at our life through the lens of God and his word. And that God is faithful, God is true, God is good. And that doesn't mean that everything that happens in my life is always good, is always pleasant. But again, the psalmist says, you will show me the path of life in your presence. And it's in those moments of being in the presence of God that you can pour out your heart to God and say, God, I don't understand. God, I don't know. I don't get it. But in your presence, as we experience the presence and the atmosphere of God, as we learned last week, the story changes when we change the atmosphere. And our life will change when we change the atmosphere of our life from the presence of our chaos and the presence of our pain to the presence of a mighty Savior to the presence of a healing God. He said, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand there's pleasures forevermore. And that sometimes in the long lens of life, in the long lens of the presence of God, we can begin to make sense out of things that don't make sense. And at the end of the day, there will always be some things I think that you will leave this life confused about. You will leave this life unknowing. But in the light of eternity, those things will be revealed. There will be complete and full understanding. And I believe that as we pour out our heart in the presence of God and we exhale our, our pain and exhale our grief, that we can begin to inhale the, 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 the grace of God and the love of God and the peace of God, and it can come out in praise in just a wonderful, wonderful way. And, and, and so I say all of those things because I'm going to take one more step this morning in this series, and I think, I believe it's, it, it's going to help in a sense or in a way that <clears throat> maybe identify some things that we allow to steal our joy. And really, it's a lot in how we see things. And, and I've shared this story before, but I thought it would be appropriate. Get rid of this chair because I'm never going to sit down again, uh, at least while I'm preaching. Um, I, I, I play racquetball at Midtown Racquetball. It used to be Midtown. It's now Stay Fit. It's on Division Street. And, um, and so <laughs> I play a lot of racquetball. And my, my shoulder was sore. I was going to play racquetball. I'm driving down Division Street. And as I'm driving down Division Street... I was, I was driving, but I was doing this because my arm was sore and it's tired, my shoulders, and I'm just doing this, and I'm making a lot of, lot of gestures. I wasn't preaching, but I was just making a lot of gestures, stretching, and then there was a really good worship song that was on, and I'm just, I'm literally singing at the, have you, how many of you have ever seen like car, carpool karaoke kind of where people are driving down the street and they're just singing the, well, I was doing that, but I was also doing this, I'm and so I'm driving down Division Street, not paying attention to, to, I mean, I'm paying attention to the driving, but not thinking about anybody else, not thinking about anything else. I'm worshiping God, and I'm stretching my arm. And so I, it's kind of by Gilliland Chevrolet, and I'm driving along, and, and I'm sort of looking ahead, long line, two, two lanes of traffic, kind of long, and the light is green. And, and so I'm just driving along, and, and, and 
I don't know if the light had just recently turned green, but there's a long line of cars that hadn't begun to move yet. And so they hadn't begun to move. The car that was directly in front of me, there was about a spot and a half uh, uh, where they kind of just stopped short. They, they, there was room for like almost two vehicles there. And I didn't notice that right away, but I came up right behind him, just like right up, right up. Because the light's green, traffic should be moving, but it wasn't. How many of you ever, well, anyway, so I came up right behind him, and I'm still, well, I needed to make a right turn up. It was right by Gilliland, so I went over into the right turn lane. And as I passed the vehicle that had stopped short, they were stretching one finger. <laughs> In my direction. I mean, I pulled along, and I'm just, I'm still, and I, I look, and the guy's like leaning over, and he's like, he's not, he's, if his car, carpool karaoke, it was like grunge music, it was, but he was stretching one finger in my direction, and I thought, what the heck, what did I do? I didn't do anything, I'm just, I'm minding my own, I'm worshiping God, Jesus, why would this happen? And I went around the corner. I went to, the, and later as I was thinking about all the things that had happened, I, 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 I could totally miss the point or I could totally miss what, what was going on. But I think what happened is I came up right behind them. And I'm gesturing and my mouth is going. And he thought I was mad at him because he stopped shorter because that idiot right behind me. He's on my bumper. I'm going to tell him he's going to go around. And I, I don't know. Maybe he fought with his wife or I don't know. Maybe he just, I don't know what happened. But I know this, what was in my heart and, and, and my actions were misinterpreted by that individual. And his misinterpretation, in my opinion, I could be 100% wrong because I didn't stop to ask him why he was stretching only one finger in my direction. I didn't, didn't think that would be wise at the moment. And so, <laughs> pastor killed in road raid incident. So anyway, <laughs> pastor takes out driver. That would be better, actually. Um, because I'm still going to be the oldest living American at some point. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> and I would have fallen woefully short of my goal if that had been the case. But, but, but his interpretation, I think, his interpretation of my actions, my motions, my, my gestures, his interpretation caused him to react in a way that he was angry, I think. He was angry at me. Now, probably we've been on one side or the other of this equation, haven't we? We've had this happen where, where we've done some things innocently, we didn't mean anything, and somebody took the words we said or the action that they saw us do, and they, they, they misinterpreted it in a way that, that either brought confusion or fear or anger or something like that. Anyone ever had that happen to you where you've had to go back and try to explain what it was that you were actually doing? Or, or you've been on the other side of it where you've, you've, you were sure that they meant or sure that they said or sure that they did only to find out that later they didn't mean that, that later that wasn't the point. And we've all had that happen. And it becomes really, really important when we're talking about a joy that nobody can take, that nobody can take from you because sometimes the situation is not as important as my interpretation of the situation. Sometimes what's happening around me, sometimes what's happening in my life, sometimes what's going on is not as important as how I view it, as how I see it. And I think the problem when it comes to joy is that we mistake what joy is and what happiness is. We mistake and misunderstand. The word happiness, the, 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 the initial part of the word happiness, H-A-P, it, it's really something that was in the Old English. And, and we have the little definition. The Old English root of happiness means luck or chance. 
In the German, the German gives us the word, I can't pronounce it, G-L-U-C-K, but we have, it's almost like luck, good luck, uh, which to this day means both happiness and chance. And so happiness is something that is external, that is based on what's going around. It's, it's based on luck. It's based on chance. But joy is something different. Joy is something deeper. The original Greek of the idea of joy doesn't always mean that we will be happy. It doesn't always mean that we will have good luck in that sense. It doesn't always mean that our circumstances are going to bring happiness into our life. It means that we, rather it means that we will find appreciation and rejoicing. We will find it. We'll find it. We'll find some appreciation. We'll find some rejoicing. And so to understand this is to understand that my happiness is based on chance. My happiness is based on what's going around, on around me, but joy is based on a choice. Please hear this this morning. My happiness is based on chance. It's based on circumstance. It's based sometimes just on good fortune or luck, but my joy is a choice. I can choose joy even while I'm experiencing things that aren't necessarily producing happiness in my life. Read the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul. That's, that's what, this whole book was about that. He, said, he starts out, I'm praying for you, and I, when I think of you, I remember you with joy. Paul, you're in prison. You're chained, to, you're chained to guards. How in the world can you pray with joy? How can these things around you that are happening cause joy in your heart? Because joy is a choice even in the midst of circumstances that aren't necessarily ones that produce happiness. And so, hear this this morning. I think it's worth writing down, put it on a refrigerator. Your choices lead you. Choices lead, feelings follow. Sometimes you don't feel joyful, but when you choose joy, eventually your feelings will line up. Sometimes I don't feel like walking in love or acting in love, but when I choose to... When I choose love over something else, I will begin to act and then I will begin to feel that. Joy is something that's on the inside of us that is independent of our circumstances, independent of what's going on around us. In the book of 1 Peter, uh, there's, there's some things that were written <clears throat> by Peter and, and he's writing to people who are experiencing some very difficult moments and, 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 and challenging trials of life. And he's reminding them some things of their faith. And he says, whom having not seen you love. He's talking about Jesus. Here these people are. They hadn't experienced Jesus physically. They hadn't seen him. They weren't there during the crucifixion. He said, in whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing. Your believing is not based on something that you see. It's not based on something necessarily that you experienced in the physical. You didn't see him crucified. You didn't see the empty tomb. You may not have seen those things Peter is writing. But he said, because of something you believe, because of something that you believe on the inside, notice what happens. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice. You're, you're rejoicing and your joy. Actually, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Even though you didn't see the cross, even though you didn't see Jesus die or see the empty tomb, even though you didn't see those things, you believed something. And what you believed caused something to rise on the inside of you. It caused joy and rejoicing. Your beliefs, what you believe, and again, this is why I say this, what happens to you is not as important as how you interpret what happens to you. 
What happens to you is not as important as the lens or the filter that you view life through. And some have been raised in a negative environment or have negative people around them. And so every experience is God trying to do something mean to you. Or it just doesn't matter what happens and and, and life is set against you. But what they believed on the inside produced something on the outside that caused joy and rejoicing. And many times it is the outward things around us that we begin to learn, that we begin to experience that that causes us to react in a certain way from the inside to the outside. Now, I want to try to do something crazy this morning, so hang on. And uh, how many of you are into crazy a little bit this morning? All right. I know it's the first service, more reserved, whatever. Let's bust every stereotype, okay? So I'm going to hop and you're going to sing, all right? So I want to show you something. So here's what, let's just, all of us practice this. Just go like this. Uh, Come on. All right, that's good. All right. So when I hop, I I want you to do that, all right? So once again, the note is... Ah, very good. So when I hop, give me that note. Ah, once more. Okay, now you got that part. Now it's going to get tough. Ah, ah, got somebody trying to harmonize. Don't do that. Ah, ah. Try it again. You missed it. Connections team, not the worship team. <laughs> Quit out, but I have to sit down. <sighs> Here's the thing, and and I hate it when a good illustration goes bad. <laughs> but here's the thing: you you begin to learn a process. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh, uh. And on the outside, as you learned that process, something began to take over on the inside. And it became kind of automatic to understand that. And some of you got this. When we made the giant leap, even though we didn't practice it, some of you made that giant leap vocally because your mind had deciphered a process. Well, I'm sorry, I'm out of breath. <laughs> and your mind had deciphered a process because of something that was happening internally, and after it began to happen internally and you understood some things, you were able to make that leap vocally on the outside. What you learned on the inside caused something to happen on the outside, which is why it is so important who you surround yourself with and, and, and the kinds of things, because you need to be careful who and what is teaching you the processes of life that get down on the inside of you and cause you to react in a way that perhaps you wouldn't otherwise normally want to or might even be the normal way, but it's not the God way. It's not the Christ way. That's why relationship with other believers is so important. That's why small groups are so important. That's why just being around other believers is important because there are people in your life that don't speak blessing. They speak cursing. They don't speak life. They speak death. 
And if you're continually surrounded by people like that, you will eventually begin to learn a process on the inside. And what you learn on the inside is going to show up on the outside in the events and in the circumstances of this life. And so, a joy that nobody can take from you. And I want to I go back to a part of the Christmas story this morning and kind of wrap this series up. I have one more step that I want to take next week. Not related to the Christmas, but just, just to kind of put a bow on this particular thought that I've been working with in this whole series. But I want us to sort of look at the, um, the Christmas story through, through not-so-stained-glass glasses, if you will. Excuse me. Look at that over there. <sighs> Tired. <laughs> If you guys would have gotten that, that, that illustration quicker, I wouldn't have had to done it twice. Anyway, all right. it's all your fault. It's the people that you gave me, God. All right. <laughs> you know, a lot of the Christmas story is really about misunderstanding, misinterpreting the intervention of God. We started out this series with that thought that God was intervening into humanity. He was intervening into the nation of Israel. And the people misunderstood God's intervention. And again, it's why we have said repeatedly that it isn't that, that, that divine intervention needs a divine revelation. We need understanding sometimes because it's not always clear what is going on, whether it's God working in our life, whether it's just life working. We don't always understand what it is that's going on. And so... The Christmas story really is about people misinterpreting and misunderstanding what it is that God is doing. When, you, when we look at the, the different stories, the different aspects of it, we looked at it where John, he was looking from the long lens of, of the life of Jesus and he was writing in, in reflection of the things. He said, we, we beheld his glory. We saw him full of grace, full of truth. We, we were there and, and yet people rejected what it was that God was trying to bring to the nation of Israel. They misinterpreted. King Herod viewed the, the coming of the Messiah as a threat to his kingdom, as a threat to his rulership and it caused him to ask act in a way that he ended up decreeing that children would be killed because he didn't want any competition at all. Joseph hit a point where he was like, when, when he found out, when Mary said, hey, I, I'm pregnant, I know we're engaged, he was like, I'm done with this relationship. I, I'm ending it right here. I, I don't want, I can't marry you. Mary herself was confused. Angel said, you're going you're gonna to give birth to a son. She said, How can this be? Every single one of those responses whether it's one of, of, of not understanding and, and perhaps rejecting what God is doing. The, the, the shepherd responded in fear. The king responded as viewing this as a threat. Every one of those things that we could identify here are things that you and I do in our life. When the word of God shows up in our life, when the presence of God shows up in our life, when the spirit of God shows up in our life, we can reject it because we don't identify it as God. Or we can feel threatened because now something in my kingdom is being threatened. I want my way. Well, there will be a time if you're truly following Christ that what you want for you will be different than what Jesus wants for you. And that point will, will press us to an to a issue that we're going to struggle. Who's going to be the king of my kingdom? Am I going to get my way or am I going God's way? And it can produce fear in us because we view it as I have to give something up. And God is like, if, if you just let go of this, there's so much more that you can have. And so every single one of these, and Mary, you know, how? And that's one of the, that, that should be one of them. We're in the presence of God. Many times that is the, that is the deepest heartfelt God. I just don't get how. How can this happen? How can this be? What, all of those things are experienced. And so... 
We look chapter 2 and verse 8, and we have used this before, but every single one of the people, and I shouldn't say every single one, but, but many of the situations that we read in the Christmas story, they misinterpreted initially what it was that God was doing, and because they misinterpreted what God was doing, they responded in a way that was contrary to what God wanted. Whether they responded in fear, whether they rejected, whether they viewed it as a threat, and it, and, and it caused them to do certain things. Now here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, That night some shepherds were in the fields outside of the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel appeared to them and the landscape shone bright with the glory of the Lord. Here's the event. Here's the intervention of God. And their interpretation caused them to do this. They were badly frightened. We covered this last week. But here's the revelation of the event. But the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you the most joyful news ever announced, and it is to everyone. And I love that. It's for everybody. The, the song we sang earlier, oh, the never-ending, reckless love of God. Left 99 for the one. And that's what Jesus was doing he was Emmanuel, God with us. But God came with a mission, and that mission was to restore. That mission was to bring back. That mission was to purchase back humanity to God and out of the grips of the enemy. And this was, I think anyway, this was the greatest event that these shepherds have ever experienced in their life. Can you imagine? And I, I've, I've, <laughs> I want to see this. And when I get to heaven, this is one of the things I want to ask God about. God, I, can you show me this? I just want to see it. I, I want to see these shepherds that doing what they've been doing for, you know, night after night after night, month after month, year after year, just going through the same old, same old, and suddenly on this night of nights, the sky is, is lit with the glory of God and with angels and music and all of those other things. I just think that would be such a glorious thing such, and such a powerful thing. And here these shepherds, they get the, this is the most powerful, the most awesome event of their entire life. Right here, angels are singing and rejoicing and all these things are going on. And then the message of the angels. In the midst of this huge event, the message of the angels in verse 11 says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. Here's the event, and you're out on the hillside, but something else is going on in Bethlehem. You need to go check it out. And it says, How will you recognize him? You will find a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. The angels are like, man, this is, I, know the, I know you guys think this is awesome and you think this is it, but this is not it. This event is not it. It's somewhere else. And the, event, the thing that you're really looking for, he's in a stable. He's in a manger. He's wrapped in a blanket. His name is Jesus. And he is Christ the Lord. And it wasn't the event that was so important. And I don't think that perhaps that manger and that stable, I don't think that it was perhaps an environment that was pleasant. I mean, animals stink. And it wasn't something that would, was an event that you would look and say, wow, that's, that's really something. I mean, we would view the angels and the glory of God and the lights. We would view that as a far more significant event than an ordinary baby that was lying in a manger. And yet the angel was saying, it isn't this event. It's this person. It's not the event. It's the person that's important. And, and, and I want to leave this series and leave you with this series, with this thought, that you can't replace Jesus with an event. You can't replace Jesus with an event. This was the most awesome experience for the shepherds. And the angels are like, don't get caught up in this event. 
Go over here to the source. Go over here to Jesus. He's the source. Jesus is the source of your joy. He's the source of your mercy. He's the source of your grace. He's the source of your life. The events are important. The events are awesome. But Jesus is the source. Jesus is the source. I've had this happen more than once. It's happened a couple times out in the foyer area. A lot of, there's a lot of adults, a lot of people. We're all talking and engaged, and then kids are coming. Parents are, you know, you know, kids are all over the place. And I've had this happen more than once. And, you know, for a child, I mean, we're all pretty much eye to eye. But for a child, they're like eye to kneecap kind of a thing. And, and so, you know, they're, they're obstructed, and they can't see. And I've seen it where, where kids were, I've had this happen, where kids were distressed and, and maybe crying a little bit. And, and I think in the eyes of a child, every leg is pretty much the same. <laughs> And I don't know if you've ever had this happen or not, but you're standing talking, you feel the tug, you feel the grip, some, there's somebody hanging on to your leg, and you look down, you're like, <laughs> your kid goes, <laughs> they're just crying, they're hanging on your leg, <laughs> they're wanting to be comforted, and you're sort of looking at it, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, whose kid is this right here, because it's like, you know, kind of a thing, and. And, 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 and if you've ever had that happen and the kid is looking up, all of a sudden they let go because they've realized that they're looking for someone and they've got a hold of the wrong leg. And I think we as followers of Christ sometimes have done the same thing. We confuse a lot of things. We confuse the event for the source. And when a child is looking for comfort and looking for aid, looking for assistance, and they grab a hold of the wrong leg, we've many times done the same thing. We've hoped that an event or another person or something else would satisfy or comfort or bring strength when really what we need is Jesus. Don't ever confuse the source with the event. And I think that many, many Christians have, have, have been guilty of chasing events, chasing feelings instead of chasing our Savior, abiding in his presence. Jesus said in John 15, 11, he said, these things I've spoken to you. He's given us his word. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy would be full. Again, complete. In his presence is fullness or completeness of joy. And the reason that I want to express this to you in, in so many different ways is because all of us have events that happen. We say this often in small groups, say this often in a lot of ways. It's part of why we exist as a church. We want to help people know God. But that doesn't, that, that's not the end. That's just the beginning, knowing God. And then we want to help people find freedom. And finding freedom happens in small groups. It happens as iron sharpens iron, as we're, you know, fellowshipping and talking and experiencing something together. And, and, and as that iron sharpens iron, and, and we've said many times that, that we don't view life the way things are. We don't view things as they are. We view things through the filter of how we are. And as we can repeatedly see in the Christmas story or in other events and instances of life that sometimes we misinterpret the event and our actions follow that misinterpretation. And so my, my, my two questions that I want to end with and sort of chain, use as a link to next week is first this question. When it comes to that interpretation, when it comes to the event that happens, are you going to live in the event or in your interpretation of the event? Where do you want to live? The event or how you've interpreted the event? And next week, I want to kind of carry it one step farther because who 
is going to be your interpreter. Are you going to interpret the event that happens in life based on how you view, how you see? Or are you going to step back and through the filter of God and through his word, let God be the ultimate arbiter of, of the event that happens in your life? And I guarantee you this, when we can learn to step back into the presence of God, and I'm not talking about every event, I'm talking about those, those perhaps life-changing events, those, those painful events, those chaotic moments. And if we can retreat to the presence of God, pour out our heart to God, say, God, I don't understand what's happening during this part of the path of my life, but I trust you. When we do that, something begins to change in the atmosphere of our life. And the presence of God and the joy of the Lord. And Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. When you don't have the strength to go on, that joy of God, that joy that comes in the presence of God, that joy that comes in the morning, that joy of God that is full of glory, that is sometimes unspeakable, it's unspeakable because we don't understand, but something's going on on the inside. And we can't express it, but there's a strength that we didn't have before. There's a joy that we didn't have before. Would you bow your heads this morning? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this congregation. Thank you for their attentiveness. Thank you, Father, for the presence of God in this place. And, Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit has, has, has spoken. I, I pray, Heavenly Father, that the Holy Spirit will continue to enlighten this morning. Father, we determine in our hearts that we will walk with joy, that we will not live in the event or the interpretation of the event, but we will live in your presence. And so we thank you for that today. I pray, Father, that every man and woman, every young person, every kid will have a, a wonderful time this week, Father God, uh, with family, with friends. I thank you for a blessed Christmas. In the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Well, God bless you, Joy Christian Center. Have an awesome rest of your day, your week, and uh, we will see you next time.